What needs to change for the Minnesota Wild headed into game two tonight against the Blues? Are we looking at lineup changes or just some mentality changes? We discuss as we preview tonight's game two against the Blues today on Locked on Wild. You're locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. And just as a reminder, Lockdown Wild is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, we gear up for Game 2 tonight with a look at the changes the Wild are making, both to the lineup and just to scheme against the Blues here this evening. Plus, we take a look at how some of the other Central Division teams did to get some perspective as to where the Wild sits down one nothing against the Blues. My name is Seth Topol, host of Locked on Wild, your veteran captain of the show, content producer for uh, Minnesota sports with well over a decade's worth of experience covering your favorite Minnesota teams through the ups, through the downs, through the playoffs as well. Game two is tonight for the Minnesota Wilds against the St. Louis Blues. We all know what happened in game one. Uh, Wild ended up losing four to nothing and uh, there were there was plenty of reaction on social media uh, from myself, from everybody, as to uh, how things went in that first game. And so we flushed all that and uh, just about knocked a lamp off my desk. We flushed all that and now are ready for game two here tonight with the Wild having a chance to even the series at one game apiece. Biggest news of the day, and uh, this is part of why we waited to record today's episode, was there are a couple of, uh, there's one change in the lineup, not necessarily who you would expect. And so uh, to start off today, we'll talk about the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury gets a second consecutive start and uh, not Cam Talbot in net for game two. Now, you look at both of these goalies, And obviously Talbot had a sensational end to the season, unbeaten in regulation in well over a month, and uh, had a a really, really good season for the Wild here this year. Marc-Andre Fleury was the guy that the Wild got at the deadline to be the one to start in the postseason. There are a couple of different things that you can point to as to why, um, this decision was made by the Wilds heading into game two tonight. Uh, first and foremost is Flurry wasn't Flurry wasn't like top level Flurry by any means. I don't know that he was necessarily the reason that uh, the Wilds lost the game. It took until the uh, the third period for the Wild to really be out of it by uh, by all intents and purposes. And Flurry had some great saves. He had the penalty shot save early on in the game. Looked like he was definitely cooking. What it came down to, especially on the power play goals, was rebounds. Now, 
let's look at let's look at the anatomy of a rebound in hockey. Is it more on the goalie for not handling the puck and kicking it to an opponent who is ready for the putback shot? Is it more on the goalie or in the case of in one particular instance, I believe it was the uh, the second power play goal. So you have the one in which Fleury made the initial save and the rebound kicked out right in front of him. And I think it was Perone. It was probably Perone. He scored three of the four goals. The rebound kicked out right in front of him. And Perone was there to tap it past him. Fleury was sprawled out in front of the net um, and was not able to handle it. But in that particular instance, where are the defenders in front of the net to grab the puck and, uh, and help him out a little bit? I mean, yes, in an ideal situation, you'd like for your goalie to be able to corral the puck uh, and, and just stop play right there. But the reality of the situation is that they're not going to be able to do that all the time. And so where is the defense to be able to pick up that puck in front of the net and, and get it out from in front of, of the crease, get it out of that area, and to be able to move the puck back up the ice the other way? Another uh, One of the, the only lineup change, really, is Alex Goligoski coming in for Dmitry Kulikov, and I think it's specifically for the instance that occurred on the other power play goal in which the rebound, Flurry made the initial save, the rebound kicked out straight to the right, and the Blues were able to score on a tough angle shot. Dmitry Kulikov is, like, standing in front of the net just watching. Like, he's just spinning in circles watching as opposed to trying to make a play on the puck or, at the very least, keep Blues players out from in front of the net. So, yes, on one hand, you would like to see the goalie be able to do a little better in rebound control. But if not, you got to have defensemen that can get the puck out from in front so that those rebound opportunities don't happen. Shot selection for the St. Louis Blues was very tight for that specific reason, is when those rebounds weren't corralled, they had somebody right there ready for the puck, ready to tap the puck back towards the net and try to get one past Flurry. And so I think what we are seeing from Dean Evison and going back to Marc-Andre Flurry for Game 2 is an indication that they don't believe that Flurry was the reason that the game was lost and that the team in front of Flurry will step up their play, be more aware of what's going on in front of the net, and do a better job to make sure that the Blues don't take up residence in those areas right next to the net, right in front of the net, if the Wild do a better job of preventing that, then those rebounds don't become as big of an issue. So 
I personally would probably have gone the Cam Talbot route, but for those reasons, I am fully behind going with Marc-Andre Fleury once again because I think the other thing that you have to factor in is Cam Talbot's numbers against the Blues this season, in which in three games he has given up a total of 16 goals. Now, that doesn't tell the whole story. Winter Classic, the Wilds were without several key players. I believe Jonas Brodine and Jared Spurgeon both were out in that game. There were other Wild players that were out of the lineup as well. So very shorthanded against a Blues team at that time that was not. So that was one of those starts. But the other two happened within the last month. And you had Jordan Greenway out of the lineup for sure. Matt Dumba was out of the lineup as well. But a closer to healthy wild team that took on the Blues in those games. And Talbot still gave up six and five goals in those games. So it's a situation of Marc-Andre Fleury. This is why the Wild got him. And he knows what needs to happen in the playoffs. And the Wild know what they need to do in front of him in order to make Game 2 a different result. And I feel like it is a much, it's a safer bet that Flurry is not going to have a similar performance two games in a row in the playoffs. And again, his of the list of issues for the Wild in Game 1, he is far down the list. Not Maybe not far down the list, but he's down the list compared to where some of the other things um, fall in. And so, Marc-Andre Fleury in net for Game 2. The uh, change that we mentioned, Alex Goligoski in for Dmitry Kulikov. We'll talk about the impact that has because the Wilds get the plus-minus king back in the lineup on defense. And so we'll break that down for you as we continue to gear up for Game 2 of Wild Blues here today on Locked on Wild. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse may happen to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30 to 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? RockAuto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and RockAuto.com's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So head to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. All at rockauto.com. Continuing today's episode of Lockdown Wild, once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. For your second listen of the day, make sure you head over to Locked On Blues to get the intel on the St. Louis side, how they're feeling 
up one nothing heading into game two. Alex Goligoski back in to the lineup for Dmitry Kulikov. And we keyed in on it in our anatomy of a rebound in the reason, by and large, that uh, Dmitry Kulikov is not in the lineup for game two. And it uh, it boils down to just a little bit too much kind of watching and not playing the puck. I mean, you can't you can't get caught in the vacuum in the middle of the net with no idea what's going on. And so, yeah, it looked bad. And that's not to say Kulikov didn't have moments throughout the rest of the game. It's just you can't be you can't be doing that kind of thing here in the playoffs where everything gets magnified and it just it, it I I fully support and stand by the uh, decision to give him a breather here in this game because you've got your best plus minus guy on the team in Alex Goligoski who is uh throughout the regular season was just bizarrely good in that category, a uh, plus 41 on the season. And so a, a player who I think just as a veteran knows a little better and Kulikov is certainly a veteran himself, but you know, you put him on that third line with John Merrill and I think it's, I think it's a fine way to go um, to try to make, you know, one tweak to this lineup for a specific reason. This has been one of the things that Dean Evison has done all season long is he has given this team an opportunity to fight out of things and get back on track. So I imagine we're going to see pretty much all of the same line combinations with the exception of Goligoski in for Kulikov because it's been a good lineup all season. And so you don't want to hit the panic button after one game in which we have to address the fact that the Wild had several stretches in which they really were as close as you can come to scoring without actually scoring. Hit the post three times. So the lineup in and of itself had opportunities and... You know, Huso standing on his head in game one is not something that is necessarily going to happen again if the Wild just gets one of those opportunities to to cash in. And I think the complexity of the game changes entirely if the Wild get a goal to make it 2-1 to one, as opposed to the Blues scoring to make it 3 nothing, I think the game was so close to, despite the score, I, I think the game was so close to tipping back towards the Wild. They had, when they got to where they were playing their style and not the Blues style of hockey, they, they played well for large stretches of the game. And so... It's Dean Evison saying, I believe in these guys to get it figured out and to be better here in game two and to take care of their business to uh, to come away with a win to tie this series up at 1-1. So this is nothing new from Dean Evison. 
believing in this lineup to uh, to do their thing and to uh, to come away with the win here to uh, tie this thing up. So I I can't really object to that because it's a formula that's worked pretty much all season. Now, obviously, there is a sizable mental block that is has occurred over the last couple of seasons against this St. Louis Blues team. Uh, the Wild are 0-10-1 against the Blues in their last, something like 0-10-1 in their last 11 games against the St. Louis Blues. Blues have owned this series over the last couple of seasons. At some point, something's got to give to tilt it the other way. We saw that in the series last year against the Vegas Golden Knights is... You know, the Wild dominated the regular season play. And so you look at what went wrong for this team. Too many penalties. Inability to uh, to score on the power play, although there were a couple of those power plays in which opportunities existed and just didn't quite cash in. So if the Wild can limit, and this is not, this isn't rocket science, there are a lot of people that are on the same train because it's exactly what has to happen. The Wild can win this series if they don't get pulled down to the level that St. Louis wants to play. And I know it's a little bit different scenario, but look at what the Colorado Avalanche did to the Nashville Predators. Again, there are differences, but Nashville, a physical team, that tries to frustrate the opponent and then take advantage on special teams. The Avalanche are not a team that is necessarily built to play at that particular style. And so they just they just took care of business from the get-go. They were wheels in full motion as soon as the opening puck dropped. They never gave Nashville the opportunity to play at that style because they had a two-goal lead before you could blink. Again, some differences. David Riddick is not Husso, and the Colorado Avalanche are the best team in the Western Conference. Nashville certainly isn't, but I think in terms of, of how the Wilds can take away the ability for St. Louis to do their thing is by getting to doing theirs quicker, by getting out to an early lead. Take the ability for St. Louis to do that, make them have to play catch-up the rest of the way so they can't get a two-goal lead and just body people the entirety of the rest of the game. If the Wilds can get out to an early lead, I think that's going to not only for the game's sake, but mentally too. The Wild need to get out to an early lead in this game so that um, so that they have a little confidence going in, hey, we can play with these guys. We can beat these guys. It's you just have to you have to get one to take away some of the the tension, take away some of the like, oh, here we go again. Blues are just going to uh 
Blues have scored. They're just going to take control of this game. Because they're not, the Blues are not going to beat the Wild every game for the rest of the time in which both franchises exist. That's just not going to happen. And so as soon as the Wilds kind of mentally just ignore that stuff, they'll be fine. So some interesting changes in uh, in the defense for the Wilds. Mentality-wise, we touched on a little bit with what made things successful for St. Louis. And so to finish off, we'll just look at where some of the Wilds' shots should take place in Game 2 uh, to finish off today's episode of Locked on Wilds after this. The month of May is here, which means summer is right around the corner. And if you are going to be out and about all summer long, you're going to need a snack to help you do that. Built Bar is the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. When you're out for a jog, anywhere you are headed, Built Bar can keep up with you and give you a great tasting treat. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, which means that with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your standard candy bar, which you probably have been carrying around with you up until this point, and you'll be right around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So head to Built.com right now, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure that for your second listen, you check out the Locked on NHL podcast, getting a full recap of everything that happened throughout the NHL yesterday. That uh, triple overtime game between the Rangers and the Penguins in which uh, Igor Shosturkin had 79 saves. Uh, All of that you can find on the Locked on NHL podcast which is free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts. So game two tonight, and we've been talking about some of the things that the Wild need to do better here in game two. And one of the big ones, I think, in addition to just not taking some of the penalties that uh, that were taken in game one, and it did seem like the officials called things pretty tight with the fact that this is going to be a hotly contested series wanting to, I'm sure kind of try to set the tone for the rest of the series. So it, it, there were a lot of calls that were, yeah, so, so, so in addition to trying to stay out of the penalty box and not, I think the retaliatory penalties is the one that, um, that's the biggest, Biggest sticking point. The Tyson Jost penalty after he had just drawn one on the Blues, he immediately gets called for a slash um, to negate a power play opportunity. Kevin Fiala had one late in the game as well. So there are going to be penalties on both teams, but just not immediately retaliating and drawing a penalty yourself, that's, that's one thing that the Wilds can do to not only give themselves more opportunities, 
but uh, also to eliminate some of the opportunities that the Blues had um, in Game 1. And shot selection as well is a big part of why the Blues had success and why the Wild didn't. A lot of time, because the Blues made it a conscious effort to eliminate the possibility to get to uh, around or in front of the net, a lot of the shots that the Wild took came from further out in the zone, which led to some uh, led to some easier opportunities for Huso to make saves. Uh, the Wild did, as I mentioned, come up unlucky with hitting the post, I think it was three times. And so one of those goes in, like I said, and I think the complexion of this game changes substantially. So... We the the wild just they need to do a better job of trying to force the issue inside. St. Louis is going to try to take that away, but if the wild are going to get into that area, they are going to have to move the Blues out of in front of the net to uh, to get some space there themselves. So that's whether that's the likes of the fourth line in Delorier, Jost, and Duhame, or the grief line, or somebody, you just have to you just have to assert some presence there in front of the net. When the Wild had those opportunities, that scrum that somehow did not result in a goal um, as the second period was ending where there were like four wild players right in front of the net, a couple of blues players, and somehow the puck stayed out. Crash the net, and good things will happen. So when you look at it, in the heat of the moment, it's obviously it's a frustrating performance in game one. And I you know, certainly fell into that spectrum myself. But when you take a little time to kind of step back and view things in this game, the Wild had the Wild had opportunities, just didn't score on them. And some of that was on some of that was bad luck. Some of that was good plays by the Blues and by Huso. The point I think to take is that the opportunities existed. And over the course of a series, they are going to even out. Things are going to level out. And so those same opportunities here in game two, highly likely that the Wild pick up a goal or two um, in those instances. Because as uh, regular Locked on Wild contributor Alex McLeddy pointed out, Huso is giving up some pretty solid rebounds opportunities throughout the game. And so, yes, he ended up getting the shutout, but you peck away enough and the floodgates will open. I said this in previewing the uh, the series with the guys over at Lockdown Blues. I didn't I don't truly get the sense that both of these teams are going to not have opportunities to score. Obviously, the Wild didn't in game one, but again, over the course of the series, I think 
opportunities will present themselves for the Wild to cash in. And if they're able to do that tonight at home, I think we have a much different story than we had in game one. So a lot to consider, but at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing is that Dean Evason really not rocking the boat in terms of changes, as he has not all season. He is simply telling his team to be better and trusting that they will do it. So we'll see if they can in game two, which is tonight. We'll, of course, have you with a postcast with Kevin Gorg after the game is finished. and We'll recap every single thing that happens throughout the course of the action tonight on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Wild. So now that your first listen of the day is done, make sure you head over to, as mentioned, the Locked on NHL podcast to get a further recap of everything that happened throughout the NHL in the Stanley Cup playoffs yesterday. Locked on NHL is free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just like Locked on Wild, we are available wherever you listen. Anytime you want to listen free of charge, So make sure to subscribe and follow along with us through this postseason push for the Minnesota Wilds. We are keeping you up to date with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.